Welcome to Perspectives On, where we're giving the world a voice. Uh, our theme is investing in our planet, and we will continue to give the world a voice by celebrating Earth Day, by lifting up our, that theme. Uh, I am Larry Lane White, your host, and alongside with me today are my fellow climate active advocates, uh, Reverend Alan Jenkins and Reverend Michael Malcolm. But what, what what would you all say is the most pressing um, concern with the climate crisis right now? Mm -hmm. um, if I could, if I could jump in, maybe just a precursor to that. Um, what theologian? I can't I can't quite remember it, but it said that uh, a mistake about creation is a mistake about God. And, and one of the reasons that churches have historically not been engaged with environmental justice is because of, of, a, of, of bad theology, and oftentimes a theology that comes out of, uh, uh, in large part, comes out of the Eurocentric theological tradition, which is a focus on an individual relationship with Jesus and uh, a heavenly bound faith. Um, so um, it's very individual and it, and it coincides with European individualism, which we inherit in this country and in a flight from the earth, um, which justifies um, European colonialism and ongoing abuse. Uh, so church has a, a real role um, and responsibility. And, and, and I indict the church and myself um, for subscribing to a theology that is not rooted in God's creation. Mm -hmm. So uh, for me and for the church, uh, that's the biggest crisis, is a crisis between the years, right? And a bad theology. I, 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 I agree with you 100%. That oh man, that was articulated so well. That the degradation that we have now in our communities is partly on the backs of communities of faith because we hadn't been speaking up enough for That's the right. communities that we serve. We haven't, absolutely. I, I agree wholeheartedly that we have not. That is definitely a uh, an issue that I have uh, with the faith community. Not necessarily with the faith, well, with the faith community, but mostly with the leadership of the faith community. I'm, I'm very critical of the, the, um, the, the uh, lack of uh, importance that the church has put on, um, on on this issue, and when I hear Reverend Jenkins speak about, you know, he he got this ordination, he got this call in his denomination, and yet, uh, you know, he didn't get the support that he the financial support. He said he he made the the comment earlier. Oh, I got tired of fundraising, and so yeah, so I mean, obviously, and, and most definitely, we don't we don't get. We we do we don't do what we should do as stewards 
and I'd, I'd add to it that we suffer now from ineptness and inaction. Uh, we have a, we have, we, as Rev just said, we don't have a clear understanding of what, uh, of the connections made between this fight. Uh, and then we aren't, we are capable of acting on it. Um, I, so we have, we have both uh, a lack of knowledge and a lack of uh, motivation to do anything about it. Uh, we don't understand the gravity of this crisis, I don't believe. Uh, we had we had over 100 scientists come together and they put out a report last month uh, that talks about uh, our uh, the state of our climate and the state of, of, of the conditions of our future. And it's very grave. And it's all because of us. And, and, and it's saying that we need to hurry up and do something about it, but nobody's moving with a sense of, 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 uh, of urgency about it. Uh, by now, every government around the world should have declared a state of emergency for our Yes. And, and the reality is our, if we're gonna say that we wanna lead in this space, we should have been the first to declare a state of emergency so that we can uh, uh, mobilize enough resources and mobilize the, the urgency necessary to defeat this thing. But we're still haggling over how we gonna save this, this uh, how we gonna save this, this system that has doomed us uh, instead of us looking at ways of how we can change and replace to build a better tomorrow. We fighting against the things that, that'll help us the most. We we fight against solar. We fight against weatherization. We fight against wind. We come up with all kinds of excuses to continue propping up this chaos and crap that we have. Excuse me, I didn't mean to go that far. But we 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 keep trying to find a bandage uh for something that's clearly need to be amputated. Uh, so at some point you know, we've got to own it or else it's, it's owning us, whether That's we like right. it or not. Thank you. This is a new word for me, Lent <laughs> on the Anthropocene. Yeah. And it kind of talks on, speaks on just a little bit on, 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 on what you're talking about. And you and Reverend Malcolm, y'all, the two of you are, are very familiar with the term. And so I, I just want to give you guys a, an opportunity to um, to share and, you know, talk a little bit about um, about that subject and, you know, about the article. And uh, I, I appreciate your perspective. Well, thank you, Dr. White. Uh, Rev, I, I'm going to take over for a minute and moderate on this part just because you wrote the article. OK, I had a, I had an opportunity to glance over it just a little bit. Um, but in light of the conversation that, that we've been having with the uh, IPCC report, as well as us talking about uh, just now the rainforest, uh, I know in my, my touring of the South, uh, in particular the Gulf South, looking at um, the, the uh, biomass and the deforestation that's happening, when we talk about Anthropocene and talking about man's activity and what we've actually contributed to our ecological uh, system, uh, talk to me a little bit more about your article and, and what you see theologically 
that we've gotten right or wrong um, or your position uh, that you've taken in the article when it comes down to our whole view on this Anthropocene uh, uh, construct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I really, I really appreciate it. Uh, I poured a lot into that article with the help of some uh, doctoral PhD students at Emory's School of Religion. And, and this is a site that they have developed uh, political theology. Um, first, Anthropocene. So, um, so the, um, you know, Prior, prior to this current geo, new geological era that we're in, the last geological era that we have been in is called the Holocene. The Holocene has, um, the, it has been a very stable, characterized by a very, very stable climate for the last 11,000 11, years. Prior to that, we had a minor ice age. Okay. Um, and um, there's always a little bit of fluctuation in the Earth's temperature. It takes a while to get to a colder place. It takes a while to get to a warmer place. So there's always a little bit of fluctuation. Um, but this time, we are changing into a new geological era, a new temperature, and we are we are affecting the whole planet and all ecosystems, not just one or two here or there. And... Um, and, uh, so, um, this to me is, so, so we are, we are, we're closing the window on the last 11,000 years where the human species has been able to flourish under a very stable climate for agriculture, for tra transit, you name it, development of cultures and, and, and all of this. Um, so. So we are going through a threshold in what I call an apocalyptic threshold. And when I say apocalyptic, I don't mean the end of planet Earth. What I mean is by apocalypse means a revealing, a revelation. And it is being revealed to us that the predominant economic models of consumption and unsustainable relationship with the earth is being exposed so powerfully to all of us now. So we, it is being revealed that global free market capitalism, unfettered capitalism that focuses on competition against versus cooperation with creation and with our brothers and sisters of humanity. Um, you know, that's being exposed as the defunct system that it is. And, and so we are going through this apocalyptic moment, this gauntlet, which brings us to a new way to envision inhabiting the planet, a new way of relating to one another, a new way of breaking down the dividing walls between humanity and God's blessed crea creation that gives us life. But, you know, Rev, I, I like that working with, working with. But at what point in your studies, even if it, I don't know if you put it in your article or not, as I said, I had an opportunity to graze it, uh, but I didn't 
wasn't able to read it thoroughly because I didn't have enough time. Uh, but at what point did we get off track where it became something different and, and caused us to rapidly increase? Because if we look at the studies, it's only been over the last hundred years or less than a hundred years that things have increased so rapidly. So it's only been two generations, if we will. What what has has really spun this thing up so bad and why why in communities of faith speaking up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well uh, well it goes back more than a couple hundred years, but 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 the real um, some some say that the most destructive tool that humanity created was the plow that you began to take over forest and and uh, and plow the soil and turn up the soil. And then, of course, uh, really post skipping ahead a lot uh, post post World War Two, we began to use fertilizers that were based off of fossil fuels and it really ramped up. It put it put agriculture on steroids unsustainably. And it led to the growth of populations around the world at unsustainable rates. Uh, But to me, a real geological marker was the hanging chads in Broward County, Gore v. Bush. And when Bush won in the Supreme Court and Gore didn't contest it, that led us to a war in Afghanistan and Iraq, which is a war about ensuring our global infrastructure for oil. And, and, and so we, we wasted trillions of dollars and led to the death of over a million people in trying to secure global infrastructure for our continued use and exploitation of fossil fuels around the world. And that's and that's going to be the death knell of the United States of the the project the the project the experiment uh, called the United States of America. But where are the prophets? Who's sounding the alarm, and why aren't we sounding this alarm? Whenever society is off track, there's always prophets raised. God always raises prophets. Yeah. Yeah, to sound the alarm and give those warnings. What what well, has happened that we? Well, are- where are they? Where are they? Well, I'm looking at one right now on the screen. I, I guess I'm looking at one too. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I go another one. I just want to finish up with us uh, talking a little bit about what the faith community can do, uh, Reverend Malcolm. I know um, with with the organization that you work with. Um, You guys are always on the move. And what are some ways that the faith community can integrate environmental issues into political, into their political, social, and economic agendas? And we'll finish with that. So I'd like to talk about it in two ways. One is from uh, from this political advocacy space, but the other one is from uh, a practical implementation space. Uh, okay. So political advocacy space, 
there are two things that we have as as communities of faith most times. We have a building or land and we have people. Um, you speak as, as a congregation for not, excuse me, for not just yourselves, but for all of those who are in your congregations, but also those who they influence. So you have, as communities of faith, the greatest chance for making an influence and in fighting for the, your communities that you care about and the communities that you care for. Um, so being able to uh, educate yourselves on the various political issues that are happening in your communities and hint, hint, looking real hard at your energy bills and looking at who controls your energy because that's one of the biggest ways that we die excuse me, health-wise, as well as economically, we died from our energy bills. So being able to really understand that and how to advocate against, uh, advocate for and against uh, the energy uh, insecurities that happen in our communities. The other thing is looking at the practical implementation. We have a program that we call We Rise, weatherize at every resident in the Southeast. We Rise is going in and working with communities of faith to care for their communities by doing community action days and getting involved in weatherizing homes, which is simply going into these households and basically filling up the holes so that you can help them to save on their energy bills, but also keep the uh, outside pollutants from getting inside the home. So these are two practical ways, but another way that I really want us to look at and something I've been trying to wrap my mind around, but I think it's extremely important, something that my brother uh, Orlando Scott there at uh, Amplify Church in, in, uh, in Atlanta is doing, changing his landscape for the congregation, changing that into an edible landscape to feed the community. And what would it look like if we had our churches, our communities of faith, our households of faith? What would it look like if we used that land that we normally would either use to just look beautiful or use it for parking? But we take that land and we build some edible landscapes and we can grow our own vegetables that we can help our congregations to eat from and to, to uh, be able to save on on their household bills from so that Absolutely. that funding can go back into ministry to do even further ministry in the community and, and for the congregation so just really being able to utilize your space being able to utilize your space when storms and when different disasters come one thing about it the ipcc report has reported that if we don't do something about it we gonna suffer even worse but it also says that, hey, there are some things that's irreversible and we're not right. going to be able to do anything about it. So now we need to adapt to it. What would it look like for communities of faith, for households of faith to get involved in this adaptation process and really being able to serve their communities that they worship or that worship with them or that they serve, they, that they sit in so that they'll be able to survive through the worst of these things? 
Well, you said a mouthful, and I and I will definitely uh, encourage. I try to encourage and I challenge uh, community leaders, uh, congregational leaders, uh, uh, not just in the ordained ministry, but in the the uh, in in the the lay clergy and lay members as well. Uh, we need to take action. Uh, we need to definitely uh, have a plan to engage uh, this very important issue. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's critical. I mean, it, it's, it's critical. We have to, uh, you know, we have to make it a part of our agenda and then we have to make sure that we're taking action. So on that note, um, we're gonna sign off for now. I wanna encourage everyone to follow us on Facebook, and Instagram, and LinkedIn. And don't forget about our social justice camp for kids. We're going into year three. If you want to know more information about that, um, you can uh, log on to our website. It's www.socialjusticecampforkids.com. And now I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to us and giving this world, uh, helping us to give this world a voice uh, as we continue to advocate uh, for um, the, the advocate for climate crisis. And I leave you with those famous words of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. He says that he said that we are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. We're tied to a single garment of destiny, our destiny. So whatever affects one directly affects us all indirectly. And on that note, I want to say good night and have a great day.